you know, as much as we want to be renegades and we got to be renegades, we got to be fighting for what's right for the organization yeah, and all communities, because at the end of the day, the company wins, but there is the resistance to doing anything different and outside of the box. Right. But I think that the pandemic has afforded us an opportunity to really be the renegades that supplier right. diversity professionals need. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. We'd also like to thank TechCXO for its sponsorship of this podcast. Get proven hands-on C-suite executives to take on an interim role and provide fractional help in lead projects. TechCXO on-demand executive model consistently delivers time and cost savings of 50 to 75% compared to a full-time in-house function. They have helped their clients secure over $4 billion in debt and equity financing and have advised clients on over 200 transactions, including due diligence preparation, M&A and financing alternatives. To learn more, please visit their website at techcxo.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. My name's Adam, and I'm here with my co-host, Chloe. And today we are joined by an exceptional guest that has a wide range of experiences in the realms of business and mentorship. She has championed small businesses and has been a strong advocate for supplier diversity for over 15 years and is a CEO of VMT Consulting, a firm that supports the visions and missions of many diverse businesses. She is also the founder and creator of the podcast Driven to Thrive. We are so happy to have here today. Welcome a very good friend of mine and a fantastic person, Miss Veronica Maldonado Torres. <laughs> well, thanks Woo! for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Adam and Chloe. I'm going to have to have Adam introduce me like moving forward on just every, there you go. I mean, the influx. I'll, I'll just be your hype like, man. Yes, yes. Yes. I'm like, Veronica sounds amazing. I know. Who are. is that woman? Who <laughs> is that woman? No, it's, it's so, I'm so excited to be with you all today. Definitely. We are and excited. The conversation to we're going to have. Yes. 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 I mean, in fact, when, you know, when Chloe and I are sitting down and we were talking about episodes and, and things we wanted to talk to our audience about and, and, and really kind of help and um, enlighten and instruct mentorship was one of those things where like, man, that's such a key component. And I mean, your name was like, bang, right there on my lips. I'm like, I know who we've got to get on the show. So thank you again so much for joining us. Definitely. Yes. Mentorship is, is a deep passion of mine. And you know, we have mentors for our personal lives, for our professional lives, and most definitely should have them if we are running businesses and running supplier diversity programs and really want wanting to strengthen our, our supply chain. So let's get in it. All right. <laughs> yes. Well, first things first, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, what is VMT Consulting? Just for our listeners who don't know yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we are a um, strategy, training and development, and program consulting company. We support mm -hmm. uh, Fortune 500s and major corporations um, with their diversity and inclusion programs, strategies, outreach, and initiatives, and also with their supplier diversity. So diversity, inclusion, and right. supplier diversity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, diversity, inclusion is um, something that we all need to be paying attention to. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just the diversification of our workforce, the majority minority we have going on across mm -hmm. the country 
and the talent that we need to develop and equip and really finding ways to find um, meaningful connection and meaning at work so that we can win together and organizations can win in the marketplace. Right. So we spend a good amount of time either developing diversity and inclusion programs or coaching and developing um organizations to, you know, take their, their, their workforce to the next level, mm. um, particularly in the women's space. Um, and also being Latina, you know, uh, I do a lot of work with Latina uh, corporate women as well, mm. and make sure that there is an upward leadership mobility for them. Mm. Um, and we've got to create those paths. So uh, my background has been very multicultural. So although I am Latina, and I am definitely Hispanic, you know, my love is in inclusion, and driving opportunities for us to work together and to win together. From the supplier diversity standpoint, again, you know, a, a program a consulting development, um, helping organizations uh, run some of their supplier development initiatives. Mm. Um, so I've supported a couple of corporations with their supplier development initiatives mm -hmm. and their outreach initiatives in developing Latina entrepreneurs. So, yeah. you know, it's a wide scope there. And then I've got my own programming through the Driven to Thrive lens with VMT, which is more of that coaching and development and helping small, diverse minority businesses become the leaders that they need to become, lead the workforce they need to lead and grow in the marketplace. Um, whether it's diversifying, you know, their business, whether it's shaping um, and, uh, you know, shaping the narrative of who they are and what mm. they're about and, mm. um, you know, uh, you know, making sure that they really share who they are. Sometimes they right. have a really hard time with identifying who am I and what do I do and where do I need to be? And then connecting them with, you know, corporate America, that's the road to go from a business development standpoint. Um, but very as of late, um, launched our uh, uh, Driven to Thrive, which yes. is actually a mindset. It's a model. It's a way mm. of living and it's mm -hmm. a community. So it has got many layers to it as I'm so passionate about seeing us as um, diversity professionals, yeah. as um, you know, business owners, as uh, communities and organizations, really be resilient and overcoming the jolts and the roadblocks that inevitably we all overcome. And right. this year we've had a complete disruption of everything mm -hmm. we knew last year right. and this year with with the pandemic where building that resiliency and grit has never been more important. Mm. And waking up to understanding why you do what you do has never been more important. Yeah. Um, so that's just a little bit of the work. We just, so we're about to graduate uh, 20 CEOs from our Driven to Thrive Business Leaders Program uh, this week. And uh, you know, helping them overcome the, the hurdles and build a, a positive, being a positive disruptor. Right. Um, to iterate the next because we have to reimagine what's next. And, and um, you know, we're, we're always talking about the long-term strategy, but this is really a short-term assess, short-term assess, short-term mm -hmm. assess, and then let's keep going. And right. it's fatiguing for our leaders. So I'm really making sure that we're building inclusive leaders for this next generation to yeah. understand how to win together. That's really what it's about. Yeah, right. yeah, I think you're right. absolutely right. And I think oftentimes a lot of leaders, especially at some of the 
I don't want to say, you know, larger organizations, but sometimes we just kind of get in our lane and you're, you know, you're at yep. these corporations and you hear about DNI and you think that, you know, organizationally this is important, but the when it comes to just the practice of it and the implementation, they really, really struggle there. So I'm so glad to hear that you're you're helping lead the way there. And I mean, even sort more recent, I think I've had some conversations where we've had to explain the value of diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. Do you find that you're still having some of those conversations and how do you really tackle it? And how do you, you know, help individuals that are, you know, maybe working within these organizations or suppliers that are maybe working with some of these corporations and then, you know, maybe they just aren't valued for, for what they bring and, you know, what the, the diversity that they bring to their organizations. How do you, how do you help with those leaders? Yeah, Chloe, I think, look, I think during the last, what, 12 months or maybe a little bit less, eight months, um, diversity has really been a topic that's come yeah. to the surface with mm -hmm. all the unrest that we've seen. Right. So I would say that before, I think we were having conversations on diversity and inclusion where people knew it was something that needed to be addressed, that there needed to be a program. Um, when you start taking a look at the statistics of the future yes. workforce mm -hmm. or buying power, yes. um, that is where you have got to tie in the business case for diversity and inclusion. And yeah. sometimes people don't make a change unless there's pain. So right. pain can be not gaining a part of that market share, not being able to really you know, go to those new places where there's money that's available to grab. So right. it's not only the right thing to do, and because this next generation is really wanting to create a sense of belonging, mm -hmm. a, 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 a sense that they're going to work to find meaning in mm -hmm. their, you know, however much time the percentage is astronomical that we spend at work doing work now the conversation might be different right yeah. we, we we moved last year from constantly moving to people that were being and i think mm -hmm. we're being more aware of these conversations where dni is critical i would say that depending on who you're talking to chloe mm -hmm. um you know when we take a look at senior leadership c-suite leadership you know across the spectrum it's still predominantly caucasian mm -hmm. um I, obviously there are many a caucasian that understand you know <laughs> that dni is critical and yeah. that yes. diversity and inclusion is good from all aspects right. um but yeah there are some folks and that's all folks you know i'm not pinpointing one group that didn't really understand why the necessity for it. And mm -hmm. it, when you present the business case, um, and then when you talk about retaining talent, when you talk about attracting talent, um, you know, they have choices. You know, the talent has choices and they're looking to see, are you a socially responsible company? Do you care about me? Are there these inclusion initiatives? And mm -hmm. um, if they're not, what does that say kind of about your soul, right? The soul yeah. of the company. Nice. So um, I was reading an article uh, this week that was talking about, um, you know, companies that are really talking the game about DNI. But then when you take a look at their board of directors mm -hmm. or the top 10 percent, 1 percent leadership it's still you know a it whole lot of talk, that. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. right now change is a process um and i think that you know the more you see articles coming up like oh we can't find 
you know, black talent mm. or we can't find Latino talent. Um, we just have to go outside of our networks yes. of okay. what mm-hmm. existed before mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. be innovative because those communities are there, ready, equipped, and needed the access and the opportunity to show that they could, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a long answer to your question, but no, but it was spot on. And I would even yeah. say, here's the other part of the conversation we're not having yet. And where I think small businesses and medium-sized businesses have an opportunity um, to capitalize on um, is that right now, corporate America, because they're going through their own intense shift and change on on their values and their policy and really understanding the, uh, the, the, the perspective of the optics Mm. And, and shifting from optics to actually doing something about it. Small businesses who are always talking about one of their major pain points is talent, retaining talent, finding mm. talent, grooming talent. Well, you got to take a look at your company culture. Are right. you reflecting the place where, you know, my, uh, minority business, uh, minority ethnic le- leaders want to go? Right. Uh, are right. women? or you know lgbtq or whatever or veterans so um i would say that small and medium-sized businesses have an opportunity to really reflect um the diversity that to be quite frank corporate america is also going to be asking them for at some point right right Right? is we're doing this we're seeing this and we want this trickle to um to be seen Um, Is there opportunity, um, Adam and Chloe? I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to do for us to do things differently. Mm. You know, anytime that you start creating groups of belonging, um, you create exclusion to a certain extent. Right. Mm. Yeah, it's a natural byproduct. It's a natural byproduct. So we have got to find a way. And I know many organizations are doing this. And, and one of the things that, I, one of the issues I think we can resolve is um, all of these uh, initiatives and programs and uh, whether it's business resource groups or affinity groups um, to make sure there is more connection together. Right. And also create opportunities for them to build a program collectively to learn from one another. Another. So one of the things that I've been working a lot on is a dear friend of mine named Ricardo Gonzalez is the author of the six stages of cultural mastery. Mm. And he talks about going from education to endearment as a um, basically Mm. a methodology for us to get to know one another and to work together and build together. And Mm. a lot of what happens is that I may join an organization where I'm taking a look at them and saying, oh, they have a Hispanic BRG. I happen to sit on the Hispanic uh, Corporate Council for Atlanta. We have 42 Hispanic BRGs um, engaged with us. And that's a wonderful thing from a attraction um, and retention standpoint. But part of our job is to learn about other communities because our team is built of everybody. of connectivity we also need to find a way to connect with people who don't think like us who's yeah. culturally different and we need to find our commonality so we can win together so cultural mastery mm-hmm. takes you through 
um, and uh, the six steps where you can get to learn. So for example, I can be with eight other leaders or more, and we can be from all different backgrounds, you know, uh, far left, far right, you know, LGBT, uh, Latina, Asian, Caucasian, and we go through this understanding of the six stages of cultural mastery because mm. as leaders, we cannot lead people we are emotionally resisting. Mm. And so, you know, the only point. way is to bring them in, cuddle them in. We're having these tough conversations, right? Mm -hmm. Around race, around so many different things. Mm -hmm. How can we even begin to have a conversation when we don't really even want to listen to it? Mm -hmm. So the first step is education. And we have got to understand that everybody, as Ricardo says, comes to their own conclusion based on the sum of their experiences in their own world. Mm -hmm. Yes. One world. Yes. And if we first come from a place of education instead of you don't get me, pain, resentment, for all the reasons in the world, this is not, um, you know, we definitely don't want to knock any feelings because feelings are, are valid. Right. But we also need to get to a point where we can have conversations and, yes. um, you know, educate one another. And I think a lot of times we feel like, well, it's not my job to educate. Um, you know, mm. I was the only Latina in a very Caucasian school, private yeah. school for a very mm -hmm. long time. And, you know, I, I opened my peers to my world, you know, mm. and I think that if we take the opportunity to educate as much as we can and understand not everybody knows about my culture and community, right. not everybody understands it. And if I want to get along with other people, if I want people to understand me and work with me, I've got to be able to open up and share who I am. Mm -hmm. Now that takes us to a whole nother level of it just being comfortable does. in our own skin. Right. Right. <laughs> it does. Just right. A whole does. Other story. But the point is to win together because we mm -hmm. know that diversity and inclusion, diversity drives innovation. It does. Diversity drives profitability. Mm -hmm. Diversity allows us to create new products and services. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it just kind of makes the world a better place. But we've got to be able to have the conversation first. We do. We do. And, and that's something that I've often said to a lot of people because I do hear a lot of African-Americans saying, um, and I think sometimes to a certain extent, I feel like this, you know, I don't want to have to educate you on our issues, mostly right. because some of them are very painful. And so they just mm -hmm. like resurface all these feelings that, you know, you just don't want to have to explain. And depending on the setting, I think that that can be, that can be challenging for people. But when you think of it from a perspective of growth and mindset, this is helping me more than it is hindering me. It's helping right. the collective, the right. collective right. in our society as a great whole. word. And then That's I have found word. from from my side, too, is asking the question appropriately. Right. right? That, that's the whole thing is, is we also don't need to be afraid to ask the question, right? right? Don't don't sit down and say, hey, so please explain to me, you know, the entire background history and why we are at this point, right? That, like you mm -hmm. said, Chloe, I think can rip off some, some or make some wounds fresh again, right? right? That we don't need to, maybe this not, maybe not the right um, forum to discuss them. Right. But I just had a conversation with one of my uh, African-American friends. I said, hey, I need to ask you a question. It's like I, it was this one author, the one that, that wrote Our, Our, Our Black Year, and she is Latina. And I'm like, please explain to me because I don't understand it. I was like, I saw the author. I saw the book. And I was like, I can't make the two equate. And he sat down and explained it to me. And I was like, now, see, that that helped me understand it. Right. But you yeah. have to from a non 
minority background, you have mm-hmm. to want to grow. You have to want to care. You have to want to understand where others are coming from. Yeah. Right. And that's what makes a successful DNI program. Not, yeah. not the Caucasians make a successful DNI program. <laughs> we got that straight. I, I didn't but pull that from is, that. It is yes. the wanting to reach across, ask questions answer questions and do it in a give and take educational way, I think, to to quote Veronica, um, so that we can learn and expand our horizons and realize that understanding somebody's background is not scary. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And and I think that we have to give ourselves permission here. We've got to be, you know, it takes a great level of, of vulnerability to mm-hmm. um you mm-hmm. know you quite frankly adam you could have gone to your friend and and been rejected sure. you know and yeah. that yep. might have just you know shut you down from even exploring anything further well maybe right. the approach that this person takes so maybe the next person is yeah and i think yep. we have to be willing which is a hard thing to open our hearts and to, yeah. and to discern um, empathy you know and to have that empathy is yep. you know where can I go? And when I'm asking these questions, you know, be be mindful that we're we're stepping into a territory we don't know. Right. And right. asking, you know, I'm bringing some words in here, but asking for a little bit of grace, grace. I think, yes. is me. Yes. Because if we're supposed to be perfect, having imperfect conversations, we're never going to get anywhere. Right. And so maybe it's just like, hey. At the premise, let's just create an opportunity for this to be like a safe space. Mm-hmm. I may not know some trigger things that may impact you, but please share them with me because, you right. know, you know, I, I could be ignorant, right. uh, but help educate me. But Chloe, right. you're right. And I know that there was a lot of education fatigue, um, right. just kind of going through the whole social unrest. And yes. we see this in different communities. The Asian community now is really under the gun as well. Mm-hmm. with, you know, uh, issues related to the yep. pandemic, the pandemic. And the community. Listen, the, our communities in general are, are going through a rough time. I think as right. a human, as humans, yeah. we are going through an interesting time. Um, yeah. But there's no better time for us to kind of forge together and Absolutely. to find our commonalities and to see how we can really work together and lift one another up. Because yeah. this isn't about... You know, this is about belonging, but this is mm-hmm. also about building a community for the collective. Right. And that's what I think the pandemic has really brought to the surface. Yeah, it really has. Yeah. Well, I guess you, you prop Veronica, you probably didn't realize that you were going to be coming on here and mentoring us as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Any conversation is an opportunity for all of us to learn. Right. I too Absolutely. take away so much. That's right. Absolutely. I, I am yeah. the I am the number one learner. I like I, my son is like, what are you learning now? I'm like, something new, buddy. Something new. That's you right. always gotta be We've learning something. Always got new. to learn. The yes. day oh, yeah. you stop learning is the day you stop living. Yep. Yes, yes. Yep. So when we talk about just learning and mentorship, how do you how would you describe the how mentorship improves leadership? especially for just young CEOs or, mm-hmm. you know, emerging CEOs, like how impactful is that? Because I, I do think that sometimes people think, oh, I'll get a mentor. They don't prioritize it as part of, you know, this is something that's critical to my growth and to my development. Oh my goodness. You know, mentorship for young CEOs uh, is critical because you haven't had to a certain extent. Um, and we're, when we're saying young CEOs, are we saying like millennial or or the younger generation or young as in brand new? 
CEOs. Brand new, maybe brand new CEOs, brand new, and just helping you navigate leadership and being a CEO for the very Mm -hmm. first time. Mm -hmm. Look, I think that um, young CEOs can take so much from mentorship because Mm. never have you needed probably to take on so many roles to run your organization, Mm. you know, you know, leading the strategic vision of your company, galvanizing your team to believe in that vision enough to do what they need to do to make that goal a reality. Um, You know, all of the uh, setbacks, uh, the two steps forward and the two steps back that come the roadblocks, um, you know, at every turn, there is some challenge. Mm -hmm. And I think that for young CEOs, the most important thing is to, and we talked a little bit about it, is really having that mindset of continuous learning, continuous growth and continuous improvement because it is a long game. It It is is about, you know, the short wins that lead to that long game. And uh, as a CEO, I think it can be very easy to be frustrated by all of the roadblocks and potential no's that can come across your path. Um, You've got to build up that resilience and grit. And there are at times, um, you know, challenges just from a people factor um, that really demand a sense of um, emotional I'm trying to emotional intelligence, intelligence. Mm-hmm. really, uh, to be frank, is lacking in out, out there. You know, we've got a lot of work left to do from an emotional intelligence standpoint right. um, of what can push and pull people to help them realize your goals and your objectives. So young CEOs in particular, you know, just like a young person in any aspect of their life or, you know, in a new role young or old, you know, learning from someone that's been there and that's Mm -hmm. done that and that you have a sounding board. I think one of the most insulating things that happens as a young CEO is that you you you're isolated you know unless you have an advisory board strategic advisors or a mentor that can help you get out of your own head that can offer that sense Mm -hmm. of validation that you're on the right trajectory maybe seeing something from a different perspective who is holding you accountable you know as a ceo who holds you accountable who are you saying you know this was my strategic goal and i didn't Mm. make it you know who are who are you who are you um, what's the word, um, accountable to. to, right. And I think that that's a huge one because, um, you can get pretty comfortable in maybe not meeting certain objectives right. or not mm-hmm. really handling the situation in the right way. Right. So I think that that's one of the biggest things that I've seen with mentorship and, um, being connected to a community of people who think like you. And mm-hmm. when I say think like you, it's that entrepreneurial, you right. know, Right. You know, it's it, it. You know what? There's a there's a quote out there that says you are the uh, representation or culmination of the five people that you hang around with. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, if you are not hanging around other leaders and having these strategic conversations with other leaders and sharpening, you know, iron sharpens iron. Right. Um, you're not becoming the best leader possible to think about what the future is is bringing at your doorstep or, or opportunities to diversify their company or lead in a certain way. Right. So I think that mentorship is critical um, to any young CEO success, to any CEO success, period. period. 
I agree. You know, um, I agree. And I think that some of the best business owners that I've seen and corporate professionals, professionals in general, all have a mentor. Yes. Whether it's a professional mentor, it's a life mentor, it's a business mentor, um, we we need mentorship. And I think mm-hmm. mentorship is is like one of the things that we don't really get as much from a schooling standpoint. They teach right. us a lot about certain subjects, but mm-hmm. they don't teach us about the art of mentoring and leading and guiding and galvanizing. And I think that much more can be done from a, a mentorship front Um for young CEOs specifically, but really Mm -hmm. for all of us. We'd like to thank the University of Georgia Supply Chain Advisory Board for sponsoring Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. In addition to ensuring the UGA supply chain curriculum meets employers' needs, the board also connects employers with highly qualified students. Join corporate board members like Johnson & Johnson, Home Depot, and the Chick-fil-A to discover and hire tomorrow's supply chain innovators today. To learn more, go to www.terry.uga.edu, click on alumni, and find the Supply Chain Advisory Board there. Does a mentorship program always have to be formal, right? So you led a very successful formal mentorship program here uh, through the GMPC for a while. But do they always have to be that formal? Do they always have to have report ins? Can a mentorship be kind of casual? Uh, So talk to us a little bit about, you know, and, and, and what type of program should they look for? You know, is it like one personality type better for a formal or is one situation better for a formal? And can mm-hmm. I talk to us a little bit about this, the structure of how that relationship should work? Sure. Great question, Adam. You know, I think that the mentoring approach, it really takes commitment. So mm-hmm. I think the first thing that any business owner or CEO needs to consider is your level of commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, formal programs, I think, do a great job of um wanting to see the outcome of their program be successful, uh, mm-hmm. hence driving um, and putting things in place so that you are successful. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's resources, it's right. talent, you know, we're pouring in to make sure that you're being a good steward of the resources available to you and that you're going to do something with that, right. which mm-hmm. is create new jobs, impact your local community, you know, make that economic ripple effect that we want to see with formal programs. Right. Um, So I would say the first thing is take a look at the level of commitment that you are able to put in. I would say a good four hours a month just on one on one connection with your mentor. It can be one hour a week. Mm-hmm. Um, in staying really focused, however long the tenure is of your mentoring experience, it could be one goal that you have with your mentor. But formal programs usually take a look at two or three um, goals that you want to accomplish over, say, a 12 or 18 month program. Mm-hmm. I've seen nine month programs as well. Um, I think that, you know, formal programs are also pretty cool because they allow you to connect with other business owners. So it creates that kind of peer community that I was just mentioning about Mm -hmm. um, that we're excited because Driven to Thrive is working on our own peer community um, with our program that we're graduating this week have done that. And it's it's just that sense of 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 validation that we're on this journey together. Um, There's, you know, corporations have their own internal mentoring program, which are very different from maybe some external nonprofit business organization programs, um, they're more focused on their internal supply chain needs and getting mm-hmm. you ready for their um, to do you know, supply chain. Them. Yeah, mm-hmm. to get your business with them. Um, I, you know, someone actually called me the other day. They were like, I have an option to do a 
uh, corporate mentoring program or this other, you know, statewide program, what should I do? And I, and then they're on top of that, they're in a leadership program. I'm like, whoa, whoa. you need to stay focused. <laughs> you know, you need to stay focused right, on right. what you want to do because everything is going to demand a commitment from you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, is there opportunity to grow with that corporation? And, you know, they're bringing you in to get you ready. Um, you know, they're going to have more customized mentoring approach to helping your business um, create a more solid foundation for them versus mm-hmm. the other one that may give you more exposure. So you mm-hmm. have to measure what mentoring success would look like for your business, depending on your life cycle as well right? Mm-hmm. and where right. you are personally. Because um, I also think that sometimes business owners overextend themselves in Absolutely. getting involved in too many experiences. Um, so I would say that, you know, a good mentoring and, and, and Adam, you mentioned, does it have to be formal? No. So I've mentioned, you know, corporate mentoring program. I've mentioned business organization mentoring program. Um, but I've, I've also want to share that if you learn of someone that doesn't have a mentoring program in place, um, that you think would be a great mentor for you as you grow and scale your business, Mm -hmm. ask them, you know, to, to, you know, if there's a great relationship, if there's opportunity there, ask them to potentially mentor you in one particular area. And one of the things that I will say is the interested party is always the small business owner, right? Or the business owner, the CEO. Mm-hmm. You are the interested party. So don't let it fall through the crack where they're having to set things up for you. You make it easy. Hey, right. I'm going to put this on your calendar. This is the one goal we're going to be working on. These are the questions I have in advance before we meet. Why? Because that mentor might need to pull from some other resources that they've got to bring to the table just mm-hmm. to make sure that they can support you. And that's right. the other thing about, <clears throat> you know, being a mentor and, mm. you know, leading, um, the mentoring program prior, you know, there were probably a hundred and, you know, 75 mentors that corporate mentors that um, I worked with. And it it was amazing at the beginning. It was, well, I don't know if I have, have everything I need to mentor a business, you know? And it's like, you know what, what you need to have is the desire to help them find solutions. Right. And you know more than you think of, but wherever there is a gap, you can pull from your network. And if not, I'll help you find those those people that can plug in the gaps for you because this is the collective. This is the right. collaborative piece. You know, right. helping grow and scale a business is not a one man show. Yep. And um, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see really the the focus and resurgence. I think on mentoring and mm-hmm. on peer groups and on building community um, and this technical training, capacity mm-hmm. building. Uh, for businesses, because at the end of the day, it's a lonely road right. and we need them to stay around. We need them to be economically sustainable for the long term. And we need to make sure that they're creating jobs. Um, right. and, and that's what it's about. We need to strengthen, strengthen the workforce. It's interesting. The other day I was noticing, which I think leads to a, maybe a, a little bit of a bunny hole topic here for a second. <laughs> okay. But, um, one of the statistics that I was taking a look at was taking a look at the level of unemployment mm. and the actual viable jobs in the market. And it was something like, you know, out of 10, uh, out of there's 10 people out of work and there's only six positions, right? So six out of 10 are going to get a job where mm. the other four are either yeah. having to start a yeah. business or 
figure something else out or mm -hmm. with which is what we're starting to see and which was already a trend moving uh you know before the pandemic hit which was this gig economy freelance yes. economy yes. you know where it's kind of cool because at the same token it's we were also missing that flexibility in the marketplace yeah. of right. getting the talent that we need um we can spend a whole lot of time going down there and even talking about the reskilling that we need to have in yes. our workforce and yep. in our small businesses so right. you know I, I i do think there's a lot of work for us to do on that front and it's yeah. um you know with the rise of technology and um emerging tech that yeah. that really is impacting the workforce but even small businesses that aren't going to be here tomorrow right. um based on the adoption and the pandemic definitely accelerated um, the impact of the digital transformation era. And, yeah. and so we've got work to do. And, yeah. and that's maybe leading up to our, you know, conversation about maybe supplier diversity and what their role is in, in that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, that's a great segue into that. You know, as we, as we think about our corporates that are listening, you know, what do you think, you know, when you think about ideally what supplier diversity professionals should be doing and their roles. And I think, you know, a lot of different organizations do it very, very differently, which I, mm -hmm. I find problematic. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, what have you seen in terms of best practices? How would one, if, if a company wanted to start one and how to set this individual as a leader, as a CEO, how do you set this, you know, supplier diversity professional up for success? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of material out there. Well, there is not as much material as I would like to see out there sure. regarding it, but you definitely have some big organizations that are now starting to um, share kind of their formula for success, whether it's Intel or Accenture or others. Mm -hmm. And I know Accenture is doing some great work in helping their own clients um, develop supplier diversity programs, right. you know, those younger organizations um, and not as big, but uh, definitely, you know, supplier diversity professionals have it kind of tough, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Unless there is like extreme C-suite buy-in and there right. is a direct connection to the business case, goals and objectives where supplier diversity is really a part of that supply chain, their procurement, you know, yeah. policy, everything, you know, it's just all got to be connected. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, is there a budget for it? You know, are they doing outreach? Are you taking a look at your current supplier pool and seeing who potentially is a small, diverse, minority, veteran-owned business, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Um, right. And are you taking the time to really look there to, you know, start with that kind of benchmark of identifying what do you have? Mm -hmm. um, and then, um, you know, making the intentional effort about, you know, one of the conversations I was having with one of my friends in a rather large organization is they're now using AI to make sure that, um, you know, the certification mm -hmm. piece is something that's much easier mm -hmm. because it's cumbersome, you know, to right. be looking through. You know, there is technology out there, obviously, to support with reporting. But, um, you know, she's like, just by putting AI into our system, we were able to increase a significant amount in our um, spend because it was just more effective. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then, you know, taking a look at, you know, the real supplier list that you have and saying, who do I actually work with? And to be quite frank, where are there opportunities for them to grow? Right. And I think that that's what supplier diversity for me is. And depending on what organization it's, listen, I'm, I know we're about the numbers, but we got to be about impact. Mm -hmm. And right. so um, those numbers can have a greater impact if we're intentional about 
our approach. And what I'm saying is that, you know, are you giving one supplier a whole lot? You know, are you breaking it down? Are you being creative? There's this incredible healthcare company um, that talked about creating regional contract opportunities and uh, community contract opportunities. They have national opportunities, the regional, and then the community. And they were talking about building equity into their RFP process and saying, okay, if this large organization is coming in to um, compete with the smaller, this isn't an equitable opportunity. So where can we find, and I'm like, you just blew my mind. Like this (laughs) is what we need to be talking about. because. Because a lot about what we've been discussing, and, and hopefully I didn't get too off topic here with supplier diversity, is that we got to have change makers. We got to yes. have people that, you know, take off the corporate cuffs. Yes. And, you know, are willing are kind to of a little rock bit of a, a few boats. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. And push the status quo. But I also understand that there is an internal corporate culture, and there's so much inside that they have to educate their, uh, their, um, their stakeholders, they have to educate their business units. People need to really understand what supplier diversity is. Right. Oh, is this just a handout? You know, there's got to be so much education. Right. And then mm-hmm. building those champions because supplier diversity is, I, I, I love all my supplier diversity friends and all yeah. of us engage in this work because yep. it ain't easy. No. You know, it's definitely not simple. easy. It's no. this inside part. You know, as much as we want to be renegades and we got to be renegades, we got to be fighting for what's right for the organization yeah, and all communities, because at the end of the day, the company wins. But there is the resistance to doing anything different and outside of the box. Right. But I think that the pandemic has afforded us an opportunity to really be the renegades that supplier right. diversity professionals need. and. Yep. Um, and just to see things in a different way. And you were saying, Veronica, you know, every organization does things differently. And it's so true. I mean, sometimes you see, um, a, you know, looking now at a diversified diversity management portfolio, you know, they have like DNI and then, you know, the supplier diversity under it. And people are calling supplier diversity DNI. And I'm like, hold on, there's internal. That's not, yes. You know, That's there's right. your workforce. A, there's a difference. There's a difference. Yes. You know, and so don't try to, you know, blend the two initiatives. And it's, and it's hard. Okay. So, yeah. so I think that there's so much opportunity. I think that what we also realized is the opportunity and, and I might get my hand slapped for this, but we're entering a new generation of businesses. Yes. Mm-hmm. They don't go through old school channels. They don't. And as no. supplier diversity at professionals, all. you know, you have got to be willing to take a look at other communities and other channels and yes. get what you need. And that is a hard part because when you're fighting that internal, um, and then when you're fighting to get, you know, one or two people per RFP, um, you got a lot of pipeline building to do. And right. then now you got to be searching in different places. But I think you have to understand where the wins can be and 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 really champion those. And the last thing I'll say is um, what I, I know is hard because we always talk about risk, right? Mm-hmm. You know, anytime, you know, Adam, you know, any fiduciary. She heard me talk about this a lot. Anybody, you know, you're always looking at, you know, minimizing and mitigating the risk. Absolutely. You know, right. You know, during this time period, there's been such a disruption in our supply chain Mm -hmm. uh, that we have to kind of rebuild in different ways and really collaborate together. 
But how can we break down some of these bigger opportunities so Mm -hmm. that businesses can really have a chance to go after it? Right. Um, And I know that's hard, but I think that we've got to be doing a little bit more of that. I think you're bringing up a really good point. I've been thinking that same thing. It's like you keep hearing about a lot of these initiatives and, you know, we're going to be spending X amount, you know, as post, you know, civil unrest and everything that's going on. But what I don't see is it trickling down to changing the actual practices and processes that were historically in place. Mm -hmm. So I think you just brought up a great point, Veronica. Good, good. Yeah, you know, and I I think we also have to be careful, okay? We're at a tipping point, you know, when we're talking about that emotional intelligence, we Mm -hmm. need to be mindful of the emotional intelligence of the optics and the communication of what we're sharing on such a massive scale. Yeah. And and, and I want to be sensitive to this because understandably, our diverse communities have been in these inequitable places for as long as we know. Right. Um, mm-hmm. There's also just this, you know, uh, um, you know, Im- barrage of conversion of, of conversation about where the money's going, where the money's going, where the money's right. going. And mm-hmm. I think that that's great. And we need those monies uh, to those diverse communities. But as supplier diversity professionals, we should also be thinking about, you know, change management and engagement. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's like when you have a new leader come in, you know, the new leader doesn't come in and just drastically change everything. You got to take a feel of the market, of the mm-hmm. internal right. culture of what's going Absolutely. on. And I feel that what I hope we don't do is that in trying to do so much good, we push the narrative to the other side. Right. And we've got to really balance this because at the end of the day, even though the reason that we have programs like supplier diversity is because inequity continues to exist. I used to have a friend of mine who's definitely not in the supplier diversity. Why do supplier diversity, why do we need all this stuff? Why do we keep right. saying you know, African-American business and Latino business? I'm like, cause we still not getting a part of the pie, you know? <laughs> <Right>. like, <laughs> Right. But it's like, but I'm hearing it everywhere. And it's like, what you're hearing is, 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 is an attempt to work on systemic issues that have right. been there. Um, but I do think that as professionals, and a couple of years ago, I went to a retreat with a whole bunch of supplier diversity professionals that I facilitated. And one of the conversations was talking about the tension between, you know, um, communities that have power versus those that don't from an economic standpoint. Mm -hmm. And obviously the rise in the economic buying power of the minority community. Mm -hmm. So in saying how that shift was going to happen, I said, you know, one of the worst things that we could do as minority communities, as diverse minority communities Mm -hmm. is, is, is repeat old history. and do it the other way so we have got to learn to be inclusive you know we've got to craft these programs and initiatives because the inequities exist right but we need to shape a narrative where we're all learning how to win together because when my brother and sister is doing well i am doing well you know it's it we've got to find a way to have more of these conversations around the unity and the opportunity to do business together and win together. And that's a tough conversation, right? Especially when there's a lot of fervor, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of resentment 
there. And right. then you start hearing just one community. And I think that that can put us in entire, it can build resistance. Again, what's what we're trying to change. Right. So we've got to be mindful, I think, um, as uh, diversity leaders, mm-hmm. as supplier diversity leaders, DNI leaders, EDI leaders, belonging leaders, culture, whatever you want to call us these days, right. you know, to be mindful of how we are communicating and um, making sure that we are we are creating something that's sustainable and mm-hmm. that we can bring a collective to champion because right. we know it's the right thing to do, but we want we want us to win. We want yep. us to win as a country. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's amazing. Well, so. I wanted to just hear a little bit more. I know we're we're coming close to our time, but I I really want to hear just a little bit about Driven to Thrive. I mean, you've touched on it a little bit and I mean, I, it, I'm, it spiked my curiosity. I'm sure it did our <laughs> listeners as well. So yes, please tell us about that because that initiative sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm super excited to share that with you. So this is what happens when um, you kind of follow your gut and life happens to you. And the thing that was supposed to kind of break you kind of yep. builds you. Yes. And so um, I had gone through a really personal experience in 2013. I had a ton of professional success, but personally, I was really struggling. Mm-hmm. I had a young son, um, but, you know, just personally, just a lot of things were kind of falling apart. Mm-hmm. And I said, surely there cannot be, it cannot exist a world where I have to only excel professionally and not also excel personally. Yeah, at and the so expense of your personal at life. At the expense right? of my personal life, I right. said, so I had to kind of, I took a year to really see all of these jolts that I call um, that, you know, kind of come to jumpstart your life for many you know, the pandemic could have really been a, a jolt. Losing their job could have been a jolt. You know, a divorce could have been a jolt. Losing a loved one could have been a jolt. It just mm-hmm. kind of jump starts you to really see what was kind of already there that you were too busy to notice, and um, and and maybe change and course change the course and direction of your own trajectory. Right. So I believe that these jolts come, you know, to jump start you. You gotta Absolutely. be obedient to where you it's trying to lead you. Gotta be obedient. To. Take a leap of faith, which is super, super scary, and trust the process of what this painful moment is trying to teach you. So when I decided to get out of my jolts, I was like, okay, I'm through this. I'm trusting the process, but now I need a path to take me to where I want to go because I'm a a woman about a vision, I'm about a strategy, and I'm about executing to get there because I want to make something, I want to be the next version of myself as much as I can. And honestly, I took what I had learned for so long, leading the CEOs. You know, when you're in charge of leading leaders and CEOs, it's like, you better be sharpening yourself yeah. because yes. they need the best of you. And not to say that I knew it all, but I, I knew that I needed to be equally as voracious mm-hmm. in my appetite for learning and giving mm-hmm. them the skills, the tools that they needed when they needed them. So I was like, let me take the strategic plan and let me create a strategic plan for my business and for my life. Mm -hmm. And it started by doing the basics. What are my core values? Mm -hmm. What are my principles? Where do I see myself in the next three to five years? And how can I uh, be the driver of my own destiny? Mm Because oftentimes we give other people the wheel of our life. It's like, hold up. It's true. 
Are you Which, in the wheel of your life or is somebody else driving, you know, driving your, in the your car seat. You're in the driver's seat? Mm-hmm. You've got to have the own your power and own your future and take the wheel to your life. So, yeah. you know, that was a very empowering shift for me. Mm. And when I decided to really define the vision uh, of where I wanted to go next, you know, really focus on that. And then I had to like before the vision, I got to recognize the gaps of where I am to where I want to be. You mm. know, I got to reflect on what's missing. Yeah. And then when I realized that I need to illustrate and chart the course, right? Yes. Be very intentional. You have yeah, to be yeah, intentional. Exactly. Right? I need to validate that plan. Like, yes. hold on, is this my idea? Mm-hmm. Is this somebody else's idea? No, this is yep. my vision. Right. Because the only way for you to earn own your business and own your life is for you to own your own plan. Right. And you to really believe in it. Because at the end of the day, there's so many naysayers out there that can tell you otherwise. So it was that. So then it was E, the execution. You know, how do you execute on that plan? And N was now and no option but to win. So what came came out of this, like, you know, desire to be the driver of my own destiny and to be my best and to have forward motion in my life, even if it was incremental, to not stay stagnant, Mm -hmm. you know, to push beyond Mm -hmm. the status quo, to embrace courage to embrace change yes. and to get to the other side because it was going to make me a better person, me more fulfilled, then the program was was birthed. And right. then from driven, you know, this pathway and this roadmap came, you know, the driven mindset, you know, driven to yes. thrive. You know, it's mm-hmm. about taking those hurdles and overcoming them. It, during the pandemic has been, I feel like I was equipped for a time like now. Mm-hmm. Going through my own struggles, my own jolts, personally and professionally, it's like, this was a time of supreme realignment for so many leaders. Mm -hmm. Why does the workday have to look like a five week? You know, where are you really driving intention in your life? Mm -hmm. Um, Are you surrounded by the right people? You know, is this where you actually wanted to take your business? Your business isn't going to come out of this pandemic the same way it went in. Right. Mm -hmm. It can either be better or it can either be completely different. Yep. And you right. have got to give yourself permission to change right? Yeah. and for it not to remain. So it's a lot about this mindset of no matter what you go through, you're going to find a way through it. You're going to yes. overcome it, but you got to find out what's the next North Star. What's the next North Star? So the driven mindset, the model, the way of living is just being intentional and finding meaning in life and work and the community. So I want to build a community of purpose driven leaders who believe in being culturally inclusive, who want to make a social impact, who want to be intentional about their life and their work, mm-hmm. and you know, who really want to do something with their dash. And I think mm-hmm. that just like there's Christian business networks and there's our diverse networks, there can right. be driven to thrive because we need to bind together. We need to be driven to excellence, driven to thrive and wanting to make our mark. So um, we well, just- sign me up. Okay, come on, girl. We just we just finished one of our programs. One of our programs was on positive disruption for ten weeks, and yeah. we helped mm. our leaders, you know, you know, embrace a renegade mindset, be positive mm. disruptors, innovate before pruning, um, yeah. you know, and really create a revolution. Because right now is the time to do that. Right now yeah. is the time to assess and to take it to the next level. So that's what driven to thrive is, and just inspiring people to be the drivers of their destiny and and not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be a passenger in your own life. Be the driver of your destiny. Yes. Love it. Such Love good it. 
good, good nuggets that you provided today. <laughs> right? I mean, right? I feel like you just took us to church today. I was like, mm-hmm, I'm telling you yes, what. Yes, yes. I have been what. told yes. I have yes. a little Somebody... bit of that in my spirit, and yes. I will accept that. Yes, yeah. yes. Like, that is, business, the that is I mean, I can't think maybe. of it. I don't know. Yes, yes. Yes, I love that. I love that idea. Yes, because so much of what we do is is mindset and motivating people in the right direction. And, you know, you said there's no better time than now. The time, you know, there's no better time than now all the time. Like it's right. we have to be acting all the time. Like people right. always want to to put things off. And I think one thing that the pandemic has showed a lot of us is tomorrow is not promised to anyone. No. And you've no. got to, if you want to be X, you know, in the future, you've got to start mapping your course towards that now. Right. And it's never too late to start. Never. Right. Right. And and I I think there's something important too from the pandemic is that when in the world have we had an opportunity to pause collectively? Mm -hmm. Right. And because one of, one of the things that I, part of being driven is that you can drive yourself to to nothing. You can drive yourself to attain too much to acquire Mm -hmm. too much Mm -hmm. but it's driven to thrive is Mm -hmm. in all aspects of your life and so the drive is awesome but the pause is equally as important because if we don't take time to be in the zero miles per hour we're never going to take time to reflect and to learn the lessons so that we can Mm -hmm. reset restart and reignite what we really want to be doing and yes. that's what Driven to Thrive is about. It's being as much comfortable in the zero miles per hour just as much as we're on the go. Yeah. And sometimes we need to disrupt our own lives so that we can recreate the new world that we really want. So true. So true. Yeah. So for our listeners who are wanting to find out more information about your consulting services, which I'm sure everyone who's listening wants to find yeah. out where to find you and how to sign up and how to get you to come in and train them, please share. Sure, sure. Where You can uh, go to www.vmtconsulting.com. Uh, you can also email me at veronica at vmtconsulting.com. That's Veronica with a C. Um, you can also reach me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at VMT speaks. Mm-hmm. We also have a company page, VMT consulting. So, and you all- have a podcast as well. That's yes. Right. So we, uh, we've got three under our belt. Uh, we, we had one on vision with an incredible leader, uh, Sid Ahmed, a good friend of mine, the CEO of VDART. We had, yep. uh, one on servant leadership with um, the former VP or former president of Lockheed Martin, who was there in the era of the stealth fighter plane. Mm. And uh, then talking about value creation and creating the next generation of leadership with another awesome company. So we've got a lot more coming for women. Uh, women have it. been hit particularly you know, hard during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. women, business owners, women in the workforce. Um, so we've got some programs coming up for women. We have a CEO, a driven CEO peer group called momentum that we're launching as well. Cause we need to sustain the drive. Yeah. Um, and we've got some other programs. So would love to support, uh, any intentional CEO who wants to say yes to the next. Wonderful. Well, that is amazing. And to our listeners, did you guys hear what she said? 
something you hear Chloe and I say all the time, right? Intentional. Intentional. Right? Let us be intentional about what we're doing. So, uh, Veronica, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes. It, we have absolutely loved having you here. And again, for our listeners, make sure to check out Veronica's podcast and firm. Remember, you can find her uh, at her LinkedIn page at Veronica Maldonado Torres. You can also discover VMT at VMTConsulting.com, like she said. And also, don't forget to check out that podcast on Spotify. Again, that's called Driven to Thrive. And I'm sure the interview with Higher Ground is going to be an episode coming up on that <laughs> podcast as well. So Absolutely. make sure to tune into her podcast to hear our interview on her channel. But again, you got thank it. you so much. So thank excited. you for being here with Chloe thank and I today you. and our audience on our podcast. Thank you again. Yes, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for having me. I just want to remind everyone that we're going to go forward with vigor. Great yes. things are ahead. Let's keep the spirit alive and make great things happen together. Thanks so much for the opportunity go. to be with you, Adam and Chloe. Thank Amen. you, Veronica. Have a wonderful day. Adios. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.